0: Thank <laughs> you.
1: in our in-person gatherings that will hopefully start very soon. Some information will come out about that tomorrow. You'll be able to find that through email or on the blog. And several of the things we're going to talk about today are related to information that is available on the blog. So to make sure you know how to find that, go to gatewaybaptist.com and then hit the link that says news and events, and it'll take you over to the blog. You'll be able to find all the information that we're referencing today, and hopefully tomorrow that info will be posted about the in-person gatherings that will hopefully be happening very soon. Also, we continue to encourage you guys to connect in relationships with each other, and the best way to do that here at Gateway is through small groups. Several of our small groups have continued to meet uh, remotely through Zoom, and some of them are even beginning now to meet together again in person. And you'll be able to find on the blog the information that you need about these small groups, where they're meeting, when they're meeting, and if they're meeting through Zoom, how to connect with those groups. And we would encourage you to do that and stay in connection uh, relationally with folks and continue to do life together. Also, this past week, Grady and CJ uh, released a pastor's perspective on current events, and they did a brief video about the current events that are happening in our country and gave some biblical perspective about how to view the things that are happening around us. We would encourage you also to find that uh, through the blog, and then you can also find it through the Gateway Facebook page. We're going to start this morning with our call to worship coming from Colossians chapter one verses 3 through 6. Let's share with God's Word together. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day that you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Let's worship him together this morning and thank God for his amazing grace.
2: You for your glory and your power and your mercy and your justice, and Lord, we just cry out that you, that you would just pour that out upon us today, even though we can't all be together, Lord, in, in each and every home where our church members are watching, Lord, we pray that you would pour out your grace and your mercy on them, Lord, and that you would just keep us uh, safe, keep us from the schemes of the enemy, keep us intentional about our faith until we can all come together again, Father, as one group. Lord, I just want to thank you for the great news of Grady and Julia having a new new baby boy, Father. We just thank you for bringing him safely into the world. And we just pray you bless them and that you would just uh, keep them safe in this time, Lord. Lord, we lift up our state and our nation. Lord, we just pray that as all this unrest is going on, all all this lack of peace, Father, we just pray that you would be glorified in the midst of it. Lord, we pray. It just as we see all of these protests and riots lord we we understand that there is a need for that there's a need for your justice lord and we just see um, people just just longing for something more than this world can offer and so Lord I pray in the midst of all of this that that you would you would come and you would bring in your peace father that your kingdom would come and your will would, would be done on this earth as it is as it is in heaven father and we just pray that people would turn to you in this time and trust you. And realize that you are the answer to all of this that's going on, Father. And Lord, in the midst of that, I just pray for the pastors of Montgomery. I pray for the church of Montgomery. That we would, would step forward, Lord, to offer the gospel. That we would step into these places of unrest. That we would step into these places of turmoil and chaos. And that we would bring your name, Father. I just pray that the pastors in particular in this city would rise up, Father. That they would not back down that they would stand on your word and on your truth and that they would now more than ever um, just rush this light into the dark places, Father. We just pray that you would cause them to be strong, that you would protect them and their families and their ministry, and that they would come to to just bless and minister to this city, Father. Lord, we pray for Governor Ivey, for Mayor Reed, for, for Police Chief Finley, Lord. We pray for our, our local political leaders, Father. We just pray that you would give them great wisdom. I pray that they would humble themselves under your mighty hand. And that, Lord, as they as they cry out to you, as they seek you, we know your word tells us that you will give them wisdom, Father. And we just pray that they would that they would look to you, and that they would uh, seek to rule and govern justly, Father. Just give them great wisdom and protection in the midst of this. Lord, we pray for mercy and healing and protection for our Gateway family from this coronavirus. Lord, we just pray that you would um, just cause this virus to. Uh, uh, just retreat, Father. We pray that it would begin, the numbers would begin to come down. We just pray for those who have lost loved ones, even our own body, Father, and, and who have loved ones that are infected. We pray for healing. We pray for comfort. We pray for protection. We pray for peace, Lord. And we just pray that you would allow us to come back together again soon. Lord, for our unreached people group today, we pray for the Kinelug people of Azerbaijan. And we just pray, Father, they're a sunny mo- Muslim group uh, in, a, in a remote mountain village, Lord. We just pray that you would send. Um, your people to minister to them. We pray you would rise up people of their own group that would know you, that, that, that would have a zeal to make you known among those people, Father, and that you would bring them to yourself, that you would be glorified in that people. And Lord, we pr- finally we pray for Preston, Lord. We just pray that as he gets ready to come and, and bring the word, that you would just speak through him for this body, Father. I pray that, that he would be able to recall and to remember all the things that he's studied this week, the things that he's prayed over in the Holy Spirit. We just pray you would fill him now. And just use him as your mouthpiece to encourage our body today. We love you and we praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: Good morning, Gateway family. As um, God and his wise providence, which sometimes may seem strange to us, has kept us from Meeting together, as Seth mentioned, for so many weeks. Um, but we seem to be nearing closer to hopefully, Lord willing, actually getting to meet together again in person. And it's for this reason that when Grady was preparing to be out with Julia and caring for her and their new baby, he asked me to take a break from our series in James and prepare a sermon on a passage of Scripture that reminds us of the importance of the church and its community together so as we look at God's word today I want us to stop and think seriously about what we've been missing by not meeting together and why we should be missing it in short the main question I want us to understand at the end of our time this morning is why do we meet together as a church And while we'll see many other things in the passage of Scripture we look at this morning, it's this one specific question that I think is especially pertinent to our current situation. So to that end this morning, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. And I'm going to read it here for us this morning, and then pray before we begin And as we've been doing the past few weeks, if you're able, where you're at, would you stand with me as we read God's Word together? Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Father, we pray for your grace this morning, Lord, as we open your word. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear your truth. Help us see Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You'll notice in the very beginning of this passage, in verse 19, the author of Hebrews starts out by saying, Therefore, brothers since. So this should make us aware that what he's about to say is the foundation for the rest of this passage. And we see him begin to do this in verse 19 when he says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. So he starts out by telling us Christians that because of the blood of Christ shed for us on the cross." We have the ability and confidence to enter what he calls the holy places. And if you're familiar with the Old Testament, you may remember the holy place was the most sacred part of the tabernacle. The place where God's presence came to rest among his people. And in chapter 9 of Hebrews, the author describes for us how because of the people's sinfulness and their unworthiness, there was a curtain that separated them from the actual presence of Of God, He goes on to explain in chapter 9 how the high priest was the only one allowed to go behind that curtain. And he only did that once a year to offer a sacrifice for his own sin and the sins of the people. But then listen to what the author of Hebrews says back in chapter 9. If you flip back to chapter 9 in verse 24, look at what he says Christ has done that is better than this. In verse 24 he says, For Christ has entered... Not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. So notice that he said the earthly tabernacle was only a physical copy that symbolized the true holy place, which is the actual presence of God. So, with this in mind, understanding this background, let's go back to chapter 10. Where our passage is at, in verse 19, and it'll help us better understand the meaning. When he says this, in verse 19, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. Notice how he says in verse 20 that we can enter God's presence by the new and living way. That he, Jesus, opened for us through the curtain. That is, through his flesh. So the author's telling us that because Christ has died and gave his blood to forgive and cleanse us of our sin, he has taken down the separation, that figurative curtain of our sin. He's torn that down so that now we have access to the presence of God. And he calls this way, through this curtain, new and living, in verse 20... Because it's through Jesus' own resurrected living body that we can enter God's presence. So friends, as we get started in this passage, I don't want you to miss this fact. That if you have been saved by Jesus Christ, you now have better access to the presence of God than the high priest did in the Old Testament tabernacle. And the way we have this priest-like access to God is through Jesus Christ and his living body. His resurrected body that he gave is a perfect sacrifice for us. And it's with this foundation laid in verses 19 through 21 that the author then exhorts and encourages us to pursue three actions that should flow out of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And he gives us this first exhortation in verse 22. And I'll start reading in verse 21. He says, And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, then here's the exhortation. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Notice how he says, Since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near. To draw near to God here means that we're pursuing God to seek to enjoy all the benefits of knowing him that Jesus has made possible. And notice he isn't just talking about the perfect and final access to God we'll have with him in heaven. While that is true, but here he's telling us that even though we're sinful, still on earth, we can actually draw near to him through Christ right now. If this idea of being able to draw near to God and enjoying Him now while we're still on earth is somewhat unusual to us, it may be because Satan has sold us a lie that sadly has been spoken to us through our Bible Belt culture. The lie that the gospel is merely a ticket to heaven and that it doesn't really have any relevance for our life on earth between conversion and getting to heaven. Uh, author John Piper corrects this lie well when he writes that the gospel is not a way to get people to heaven, but it is a way to get people to God. And that's exactly what the Bible says, friends. In 1 Peter chapter 3, he says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. So, church, God from His Word this morning is lovingly inviting you to pursue this spiritual intimacy with Him right now. Drawing near to God is not the icing on the cake of Christianity. It's not an attractive but just non essential addition of the Christian life. Instead, the entire cake and the icing of being a Christian is enjoying and knowing the most beautiful and satisfying being in this universe which is our god father son and holy spirit so church god is inviting you into this enjoyment right now he wants you to draw near to him and embrace the joy-filled benefits of knowing him that jesus has made possible for us and if you haven't been seeking that actively lately The amazing thing is that he is lovingly commanding us to do this, to repent and turn back to him. He wants to bless you in this way. It's his joy to fill you with his pleasure. But with that in mind, if we go back to verse 22 in chapter 10, notice that even though the author shows us that God desires for us to draw near to him every day, he still says we must consciously approach God in our hearts in a specific way. Look at what he says in verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. So this means that we can only draw near to God as Christians each day with a true heart, meaning a heart that is believing in Christ, a heart that has received the supernatural transformation of faith. This is the same thing we saw in verses 19 through 21 that the only approach to God is through Christ he goes on in verse 22 to say let us draw near with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and the author is using this image of our hearts being sprinkled clean to refer back to the Old Testament ritual of purification when the blood of an animal sacrifice was sprinkled on a person to symbolically purify them so again, he shows us that the only way we can draw near to God is to have our hearts cleansed by Jesus' blood. And then lastly in verse 22, he says, let us draw near with our bodies washed with pure water. And here he's referring to Christian baptism, which is how we profess the transformation that takes place when Jesus saves us. The waters of baptism are a picture of the power of the Holy Spirit cleansing us Washing our sins and giving us new life in Christ. I know that's a lot of dense information and descriptions there in verse 22. But the point of all those things is this. That we, as Christians, even though we placed our trust in Christ at the moment of conversion. We must still today and every day approach God with a conscience and deliberate dependence on Jesus Christ. In other words, when we seek to draw near to God, whether that's through reading his word by ourselves, praying, worshiping by ourselves or in a group. We must do it with a conscience dependence of our heart that is putting our trust and faith in Christ. That the only way we can do what we're doing is through Jesus Christ and his gospel. This is why verse 23 says what it does. Let us hold fast The confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. The author of Hebrews is concerned for us to not drift from God, so he encourages us to hold on to the confession, the truth of our hope that even though we were sinners separated from God, Jesus Christ died on the cross and lives every day now to be our great priest for us to gain access to God each day. Notice how he ends verse 23. After he tells us to hold fast, to hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, he says, For he who promised is faithful. I think this is such a much needed and perfectly placed reminder for us this morning, church. Because it, it's possible when we, we hear these things for us to get so focused on, on holding on to our trust in Christ and maintaining an intensity of our faith in Him, that we can start to become fearful and worried that we may not be having intense enough faith, that we may not be believing and confessing hard enough. And that may lead us to either spiritual depression or a place of hopelessness or fear, which is what the enemy loves to get us to do. And if that's you this morning, brother and sister, in light of this scripture, I want you to picture... An illustration that I heard an author named Don Carson give before. The illustration is this. If you think back to the book of Exodus and imagine two Israelites in Egypt the night before the tenth and final plague. When the angel of death was going to pass over and kill every firstborn son. But if you remember correctly... God gave the Israelites instructions to sacrifice a lamb and put its blood above the doorway. And if they did this, the angel of death would pass over their house. Now imagine these two Israelites are standing next to each other the night before this is going to happen. And one of them says to the other, hey, are you prepared for tonight? Are you a little nervous? And the other says, well, God told us what to do. Haven't you? sacrifice the lamb and put the blood above your door like he said and the other responds well of course i have i've done that i i trust god's plan and promise but you've got to admit this is all a little scary i mean you've got three sons but i've only got one and the angel of death is passing over tonight and of course i put the blood there and i trust god but you have to admit this is pretty scary i'll be glad when this night's over and the other one responds not me. Bring it on. I trust God's promises and I'm not afraid. Well, that night, when the angel of death came through like God said, which one do you think lost his son? And friends, the correct answer is, neither. And the reason for that is this. Because death did not pass over them on the basis of the intensity of their faith but on the basis of the blood of the Lamb that was slain for them. So brothers and sisters, hear this encouragement from God through His Word this morning in Hebrews. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. Yes, we are commanded to place our faith and trust wholeheartedly in Jesus Christ Every day of our lives until he brings us home to be with him, but we do so with a trust that it's not the intensity of our faith that saves us, but the object of our faith, Jesus Christ who saves us. He is the ground and basis of our hope. This brings us to verse 24 through 26, the last of the three exhortations that the author of Hebrews gives us. And before I read verses 24 through 26, I'm going to also read verses 19 through 21 so we can remember the foundation and reason for this final command. So starting in verse 19, if you read along with me. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, And then jumping to verse 24, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Notice how in verse 24 he says we are to stir up one another. To love and good works, which means we're to help each other follow Jesus by encouraging each other to pursue loving God and loving others and growing in good works. But notice the connection between helping others follow Jesus and meeting together as a church. He says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. So we see that God's word connects these two things. That when we meet together as a church, we should be doing so with the goal of discipling others and helping them follow Jesus. So this shows us that one of the main benefits, one of the best things about us meeting together as a church is not just looking for ourselves to be encouraged and helped. But for each of us, for you, to intentionally seek to help other members of your church follow Christ. I also don't want to miss the fact that the author of Hebrews places the action of discipling others, of helping others follow Jesus, in the context of a local church meeting together. So this shows us that the Christians were seeking to disciple... And help follow Christ should primarily be members of the local church we're regularly meeting with. It's not that we don't help other Christians. Of course, we're part of the Big C Church and we want to love and help all believers. But I think we see that the primary emphasis, the main thrust of our efforts in discipling others should be in the context of our own local church here at Gateway. Gateway. And the reverse should be said as well, that Christians that are primarily pouring into us and discipling us should mainly be Christians from our own church. So brothers and sisters, this is a great opportunity to evaluate our own lives in these areas. As we, Lord willing, begin to draw closer to meeting together in person, do not forget that you not only do this in hopes that you're going to be personally helped by others, But you should gather to meet together with an eye towards discipling others and helping them follow Christ. And it's this thought that leads us to where our passage finally addresses the question I posed to us at the beginning of our
0: time this morning. Why do we meet together?
3: So if you if you start with me in verse 24, you'll see he writes and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Did you notice that last part? He says we meet together to encourage and help each other follow, follow Jesus All the more as we see the day drawing near. The day he's talking about, of course, is the day Jesus will return. If you flip back again to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28, you'll see where he says this. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. Not to deal with sin, but to save those who were eagerly waiting for him. So you can see how the author of Hebrews gives us this command to meet together and help each other follow Christ in light of Jesus' second coming. His coming that he will bring salvation to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. And to eagerly wait for him is it's very similar to what he's been explaining in verses 9 through 19 through 25. It means living and longing for God, drawing near to God through Christ. So this helps us answer the question, why do we meet together as a church? And that answer is this. We meet together as a church to help each other persevere in drawing near to God through Christ until he comes again. We meet together as a church to help each other persevere in drawing near to God through Christ until he comes again. Look at how he makes this connection between verses 19 and verse 24. He says in verse 19, Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, then in verse 24 and 25 he says in light of that, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. So this shows us, church, that the author of Hebrews does not see drawing near to God as strictly an individual concept. I think sometimes when we think of that concept of drawing near to God and pursuing Him. We initially only think individually, like about having a quiet time or praying by ourselves or reading the Bible by ourselves. And while those things are extremely important and we do get to draw near to God personally, the author of Hebrews is giving us a bigger and more wonderful picture of what this looks like. He's showing us that drawing near to God is not, near, not merely an individual mission, but a group mission. We meet together as a church because the command for us to draw near to God must be pursued together as a church. The reason for this, friends, is that Jesus did not die on the cro- cross and rise again to only save separated, individual Christians. Instead, he died, yes, to personally save us, but then to bring us into his body, the church. So for us not to seek to meet together as a local church would be for us to go against the very nature of our salvation. Instead, we can see that God has designed our salvation and our sanctification as a group mission. And we pursue this mission of seeking to draw draw near to God through Christ until He comes again by meeting together and helping each other persevere in drawing near to Him. So we see that God sustains our faith and helps us persevere in drawing near to Him each day through each other in our church. Remember the incredible joy we talked about earlier in verses 19 through 21, the amazing pleasure of Knowing God personally and having this priest-like access to Him that Jesus has given us? Well, the implication in verses 24 and 25 shows us that the joy of drawing near to God and experiencing His pleasure should be overflowing out of us into an intentional love for our brothers and sisters in Christ here at Gateway. A love for each other that doesn't want any of us... To miss out on experiencing the pleasure of drawing near to God through Christ.
0: A love for each other that
3: longs for each other to take our pursuit of God through Christ more seriously and consistently. And doesn't want any of us to drift away from God. That's why verse 25 ends our passage by saying, We're not to neglect meeting together, as is the habit of some. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. There is a day coming, church, when Jesus will return to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. But to punish those who have rejected him. And we meet together as a church. We are helping persevere and preserve each other's faith. To help each other persevere in drawing near to God through Christ each and every day. Because He is our great priest. So friend, if you've tasted the goodness of God's presence that we've been talking about this morning, I want to close by asking you, is it overflowing in you to the point where you're longing to meet with your brothers and sisters in this church to help them taste this same joy goodness. So as we prepare to Lord willing. Meet together again soon friends. Let's pray. That God would lead us to repent. And restore this heart in us. That we would give. He would give us a renewed. And more beautiful vision. For meeting together. As Gateway Baptist Church. Let's pray. Father. In light of your word this morning. In Hebrews chapter 4, you invite us to draw near to your throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace in time of need. And Lord, we do need your mercy and grace this morning, Father. We need you to remind us of the joy of drawing near to you through Christ. And we ask that this joy would overflow out of us into a desire for our brothers and sisters in Christ to know this joy as well. Help us gain a better understanding of why we gather together. That you hold on to us and sustain our faith through each other. Help us know and love the truth that we meet together as a church to help each other persevere in drawing near to you through Christ until he comes again. It's in his name we pray this. Amen.
0: I hear the Saviour say, Thy strength indeed is small, O child of weakness, watch and pray find in me thine all in all Jesus pay